This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. The Sadie system, as in the Sadie Bjornsson system, is on topic in this episode. That system involves a basic understanding of how hard and long to train and how to recover effectively, a question many athletes struggle to answer. But Bjornsson has overcome chronic foot injuries and arrived on the World Cup scene this year poised for podiums. She has three World Cup podiums so far this year, and she'll be competing in her second Olympics this February. We caught up with Bjornsson on January 18th while she was in Planitia, Slovenia, a few days before the races there. Okay, so I got, I, you probably know the, you've probably been interviewed a lot lately, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it, it seems kind of to the, be the exciting time, understandably so. <laughs> Well, yeah. So for you, do you notice, I mean, let's just jump right into it. Do you notice like a a huge uptick in media attention because of the Olympics in particular or because of your success this year? Yeah. You know, Olympic year is always fun because it's like every four years, the whole United States kind of signs into all the sports and cross country skiing is certainly not one that is average popular in our country um it's not on tv although now it is um which is exciting uh but it's definitely you know the the winter leading or the summer leading into the winter olympics is kind of when everything starts getting exciting and the media starts following and it's also really fun because it happens to be the time that there's been a lot of breakout performances on our team so it's definitely the time is right for it and I think it's going to be really good for our sport and kind of the future of our sport as well. So I, I'm curious on like this uptick in media attention. Um, what has been sort of the most unique media outlet that has approached to you that, you know, really beyond the Olympic blip would have zero coverage of, of Nordic skiing? So where you've had to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, this is Nordic skiing and this is who I am. I'm just kind of curious what was kind of refreshing for you um well i guess the the most fun one has been paula poundstone um originally she sort of made a joke at our sport um but now is really turning it around and she's actually going to show up and start the be on the start line for the Berk- the american burka banner which is really fun um, are you kidding so yeah so that was kind of one of the more crazy ones um and then one of the more unique ones that is recently actually exploding is um, the story about my Lebequin experience and the injury that I've had um, got picked up by some uh, kind of drug websites from what I hear. I actually haven't seen it yet, but I have just gotten an on an, just a swarm of emails from people that have been affected by Lebequin and had their lives pretty much ruined by Lebequin. And so... Um, it's been like a lot of stories that are, I mean, truly hard to read because it's just, it's so sad to hear what this drug has done to people. Um, and I've actually gotten to the point that I've kind of stopped reading them because, you know, that's sort of the way I've approached this setback for myself is the less I know about it, the less of a limitation it is for me. So, um, as an athlete, you are only affected by what you're going to allow yourself to be, to be affected by. And so I've kind of just turned my turned my eyes and ears from sort of the experiences of other people and tried to just find my own way. And so 
I actually got an email from a researcher recently who wanted to talk to me and kind of share what she had learned. And I ended up writing back to her and just saying, you know, I really appreciate it. And this may be something that I would look into when I'm done with my sporting career. But right now I'm just focused on, you know, I've made a way, I found a way to make this work and I'm going to continue in that process and focus on racing right now and um, not going down that avenue. So it's, it's definitely been really interesting to hear all these stories from people, but mainly just like have people email to say, thank you for giving me hope. You know, like it's incredible to see that somebody is racing at an Olympic level and overcome this. So thank you for giving me hope. And that's like the best, that's the best feeling ever. Like that's what I want to go about. And I want to educate people too, but um, yeah, that's been a very unique thing that I would have never expected in the past. (laughs) Can you just, if people have sort of started reading faster skier in the last 12 months or the last 24 months, um, can you just briefly describe a little bit about what your experience was with the drug? Yeah. So when I was um, a junior in high school, or actually a senior in high school, uh, I had a sinus infection um, and I took several different rounds of antibiotics and eventually got prescribed Leviquin. Um, and at the time the doctor told me it was a three in 10,000 chance of this very rare side effect of Achilles tendinopathy or Achilles rupturing. Um, and I thought, oh, of course, like that's too small for it to be to happen to me. And, um, and sure enough, it did actually end up happening to me. And I just struggled with tendonitis and got to the point that really I couldn't walk around. Like in high school, I couldn't walk from class to class. And um, from there, just my feet really fell apart. Every All the different tendons and muscles got super weak. And um, ever since, I've struggled with various forms of tendonitis all over my body. And um, so I've had to really adjust my lifestyle, adjust my training in order to um, sort of battle with it. Yeah, I have adjusted my my training and I kind of just do a lot more shorter workouts. Uh, I went through several years where I would do three or four workouts a day of really short amounts um, until I've gradually strengthened, strengthened things, but I definitely have always been prepared and ready to take on new forms of tendonitis that come about. And um, so, yeah. Do you feel okay, you know, in terms of your feet right now, you're I mean, you're obviously skiing at a top level, but do you feel okay? Yeah, I mean, I currently have feet things going on over here, and so um, it's kind of never really a day that I I don't have something going on, but I definitely, um, I've been able to adjust things and, and work with it. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. I'll take a step back. Um, where are you right now, and what are you up to? Um, so I'm in Planica, Slovenia. Um, it's actually the first time I've ever raced here at this venue, and we have a classic sprint and a 10K classic race this weekend. Um, so we're just kind of training and getting ready for that. Okay. And as you kind of um, – I know you guys only have a few more weeks of World Cups before uh, the Olympics begin in early February. I believe February 9th maybe is the opening ceremonies, but yeah, not sure. Um, you know, I'm curious, like, what is your run up look like to the Olympics in terms of competition and training? I know like guys like Alex Harvey and Kershaw do like a traditional several week altitude camp right now, but, mm-hmm. but what does your run up look like? Um, so this year I planned to, uh, do the full tour to ski. 
um, just to kind of create a load. The way that peaking works is you generally create a big load and then you rest and maybe then create a smaller load and then rest. Um, so that's kind of the way that I plan to do the whole tour. And then I just got done with a kind of a week and a half of rest, basically. It took me about a week to recover from all those races. Um, and then I started training again. And so I'm going to do um, one of the races this weekend and then both races next weekend. And so it's kind of just the final preparation phase to head into the Olympics. And uh, you don't always feel amazing necessarily right now, but kind of one of the more important things is to remember that it's still, I think it's 24 days out from the games. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And so the feelings definitely, they can come around even the next day or maybe they come right away. So just an optimistic approach and um, just stay positive about uh, where where we're going to go from here. Okay, so I'm going to kind of do um, kind of brief rundown of, of uh, your year here. I mean, so far, and, and you've you are, uh, and I just kind of took some notes from the fifth side, but ninth overall of the Tour de Ski, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, three podiums this year: second in a classic in Ruka, third the next weekend in Lillehammer, also in a classic sprint mm-hmm. where you qualified first. Um, Third in a 10K classic, uh, stage two of the tortoise ski, I believe. Mm-hmm. And plenty of top tens. Uh, seventh overall in the World Cup, sixth in sprint, 11th in distance. Um, you know, this summer, if, you know, I'm kind of curious, you guys know your physical sensations, I'm sure, when you're training all the time and, and sort of what you're what those may or may not correlate to when you get on snow. Did the sensations you had maybe in the late summer and the fall kind of correlate to where you are right now? Um, you know, I had a really unique uh, summer of training. Um, it started off on kind of a rough note. I was really injured at the beginning of the season. Um, I had a back thing going on, a knee thing, and a foot thing all at one time. And I'm used to having injuries, but this one was particularly hard because it felt like there was literally nothing I could do. So it kind of took some patience to get started, especially because it was the Olympic summer and you never want to start like that, you know, on that foot. So I started a little slower than I wanted. Um, I kind of started getting things together and then I headed home actually to the Methow for the women's camp. And once again, I had another really big flare up with heel spurs and, and that was really hard because I had to leave the camp in my hometown and not participate in anything and that was that was definitely really a low part of my summer so um once I got back I just you know I took the time to recognize that it hadn't been the perfect start um I was kind of chasing around trying to follow the schedules of everybody else and trying to be a good teammate among my US ski team um teammates and it was time to kind of come home and do my own thing and so that's when I started doing a gradual progression to get to my healthy, healthier state. Um, and by the end of July, and then actually our glacier camp in August, I was finding a really stable place. And so it was cool because I had a really awesome second half of the summer. And that was kind of the time where I was, you know, feeling healthy enough and stable enough that I did a much bigger push on load and intensity, something that I've never really had a chance to do. And it was really cool. It was like a huge mental challenge. Um, but it left me really tired for um, pretty much two or three weeks. And that was right about the time that I was headed to Park City Camp um, in October. And 
that was then I was sick all through U.S. ski team camp there. So, you know, it was kind of a strange year for me in that I never really got to participate in camp with my U.S. ski team member teammates. And so it was definitely, you know, like one of those emotional roller coasters. Um, and I had no idea what to expect coming into the season because intervals had been go- hadn't been going great. Um, I was kind of just behind in everything, what I felt like. And so when I came into Kusumo and had those those really awesome races from the start it was it was just kind of one of those uh things that makes it makes you just realize like it makes you think about all the tough times that you went through to have those amazing times and so it was really like it was a great way to start on (laughs) start in that place and just remind myself that you don't necessarily have to look like the person beside you in order to maybe beat the person beside you and so it was definitely a really it was a cool summer in that way um, I challenged myself more than normal, but also kind of had more more struggles than normal at the beginning. And um, But that's kind of my way, and as my sports psych always says, that's the Sadie system, and you just have to find a way to really believe in the Sadie system, and that's when you're going to find the, the best place. And so um, I feel like a lot of things have come together for me this year, um, not just my training, but also, you know, all the other elements of your life that go into ski racing. And so I think it just, it, it's cool that it's happening in a year that it's an Olympic year because that's, that's when you dream and hope it can be. <laughs> what did you learn a little bit about your own physiology and the power of the rest state or recovery state and how much that may benefit you? And I'm just making the assumption there, you know, without asking you how many hours you did or didn't do, I'm assuming due to all mm-hmm. the injuries that perhaps you had more rest state time than normal. Yeah, um, I definitely, you know, you as you get older and become more experienced in, in your sport, you learn to appreciate that rest is just as important as um, pushing yourself. Uh, in the past, I've always kind of felt like that was a strength of mine that I was able to read my body really well and understand when I need rest um, versus when I can push myself. Um, and I think I've always kind of been under under trained as opposed to over trained for that for that reason. Um, and so I think that's why this year was so fun is that for the first time I kind of played with that line of too far versus not enough. Um, but then again, like that's when you really have to start respecting the rest. Um, and we have a cool thing at APU that a lot of our training is in, in blocks. So we do three weeks on one week off and in that one week off, it's depends on the specific athlete. Some people, they need one whole week off, maybe more for your brain than for your muscles and other people, they feel like they only need one day off. So that week is kind of up to your decision. And this year I found, like, you know, after I did that huge intensity push in September, um, that one week off, I took the entire week off. And I did some things like, you know, go out in the mountains and go hunting with my fiancé or, like, you know, fun things that are so different. Of course, not sitting on my butt, but um, doing more of a mental break. And what I've realized is that mental rest is actually just as important as physical rest. And for those of us that are racing full World Cup seasons, maybe 40 races a year, and and you're asking your mind to turn inside out, you know, weekend after weekend, sometimes nine days, or I mean, seven races in nine days doing it like that. And I've learned that, yeah, rest is not just 
resting your muscles, it's also resting your mind, and you have to respect both of those, and it's equally as important. Um, so kind of piggybacking on this whole context of kind of a new kind of, well, maybe the old experience of dealing and juggling with injuries, but sort of balancing rest and trying to peak. Mm-hmm. Um, you obviously did ski the whole tour to ski mm-hmm. and were quite successful. Um, you know, if you can just kind of rewind a little bit, maybe as you were going through your race schedule with the U.S. coaches and maybe Eric Flora, you know, what was your rationale for doing the tour to ski this year? And, you know, did you hesitate perhaps a little bit about completing it just because you've had a bit of a funky, uh, I guess, preseason? Yeah. You know, like for me, uh, even when I have funky preseasons or funky training, summers um I think most people would assume that that means that I didn't do as much training and um if you were to be a fly on the wall just understanding the the training life of Sadie Bjornsson um it's actually crazy like when I when I'm injured I often feel like I actually do more training and um get stronger during those times so maybe if I wasn't running or roller skiing I was in the pool or ski erging um and so I still had equal if not more actual time spent training so sure it definitely looks different and but I definitely made a step up in training so I wasn't I wasn't worried about um, making it through the tour to ski Um, the one thing is in the past I've gotten sick a lot during the tour or sick right after the tour and that's something that I always try to avoid because um, when you're sick oftentimes for me I always think it's when I'm tired and didn't rest enough. And so I think it's like kind of a natural thing that comes for me. Like there's a reason that I get sick. Um, and so my goal this year was to like sort of try to figure that out before it came. And I felt like in period one, I was really good about managing the load and, um, you know, not pushing myself midweek if I was uh, tired from the weekend. And so the plan was to go through the entire tour and then be really good about resting afterwards so that it was not a level of fatigue that I was bringing in all the way to the Olympics. Um, and I think that's the most important thing for me is to respect the rest afterwards. And a lot of times that means, you know, separating myself from my teammates because we all recover at different rates and um, in different ways. And so um, that was kind of when we talked about it, it was more of a focus on what are you going to do afterwards rather than, you know, how's the tour going to look and how's, how's it going to act on your body? It, the focus was what is, what is the goal afterwards? And so I feel like I definitely had a really successful week afterwards and that I was very good about resting a lot <laughs> um, and taking it super slow. And so that was kind of the theory behind it all. Okay. And are you guys, I know this is like a nitty gritty question, but I'm always kind of curious, Yeah. you know, cause you might, do you guys, like, are you a person that just keeps hand sanitizer in your pocket, like during the tour to ski and after, or are you just like methodical about hand washing kind of thing? Um, this year, so I have had this crazy thing happen this year that I've developed a bunch of allergies and, um, I'm allergic to down and to like kind of dust and oh, man. a lot of pollen and stuff. And it's been a really, it's been really challenging for me this year, like a whole new thing to take on because, down is in every pillow, every comforter, everybody's jackets. It's literally everywhere. So, um, and also dust is really hard to avoid. And um, 
I had this theory that all these allergies came on because I used hand sanitizer oh, too don't much. Don't tell me that. <laughs> um, which is definitely like one of those theories. This is not any form of proven fact, right, right, right. Sadie theory. Um, and so this year I made it a goal to do more actual just hand washing rather than um, hand sanitizing because if you if there's a bathroom around, it's just as easy to run to the bathroom and wash your hands for 20 seconds under the water with soap. Okay. Um, so I've been taking that approach this year, but definitely during the tour to ski, I am I'm pretty careful about germs and um, taking vitamin C at nighttime. And we had some illness on our team uh, throughout the tour, and so I knew it was around. But, you know, like the rule of thumb is the more you stress about it, the higher risk that you have of getting sick. And so sure. if you can try to just be relaxed and be confident in your immune system and eating your vegetables and, um, <laughs> you know, just knowing that your body's going to work the way that it's supposed to, then that's that's kind of the approach I've taken this year. Here's here's a, a question that for you, kind of relating to maybe about what your goals might be in Pyeongchang and, and um, mm-hmm. sort of having a little bit of perspective now as an old... How old are you right now, actually? I'm 28. But you've been on the World Cup for a while. And this will be your second Olympics. And there was a quote somewhere or you had said something that maybe that the first Olympics were for your childhood dreams and these Olympics are for your adult dreams. Um, <laughs> that's one of yep, our, that like, sounds, yeah, no, I, it sounds like something I said, <laughs> um, you know, I'm kind of curious, how are you approaching these second Olympics and particularly, you know, maybe how is that different than your first Olympics? Um, yeah, so I definitely, you know, it's really exciting to be going into Olympics knowing that I'm fighting for a medal, not just in uh, the team events, but potentially some individual events as well. Um, I It's a position that I have dreamed my whole life of being in, so it's really fun. Uh, yeah, the last Olympics, I just remember making the team and how big of a deal it was and going into processing and getting my Team USA uniform and all the fun opening ceremonies outfits and then getting into you know the athlete village and just seeing that we had cards to get free coke any hour of the day and just like you know all those little things that you're like okay heaven i didn't even know heaven could be this nice and so i was just kind of in a daze the whole time and it's cool i'm really happy i did that because now i feel like i got that fix and now when I go to Olympics, I definitely want to still keep that excitement and fun factor because I think that's what makes me have the best races is when I'm really loving the process and not too serious because serious never works well for me um, until I get on the start line and then I certainly uh, notch into that serious zone. But, you know, I think it's cool because this year I'm going and I'm trying to not... I kind of relate it to like pacing a 30K uh, last Olympics, I went out really hot. I was so excited about everything that midway through the games I was sick and and tired and worn out and didn't necessarily have the energy for the races that I needed. And so this year I just feel a little more prepared for what's coming coming my way. And also um, I have a really big goal and a really big dream that I want to accomplish. And I think there's this awesome vibe among our team that there's all of us that are dreaming of this medal. It's not just one person on the team. And I think that makes a really cool atmosphere and a lot of excitement going into it. One thing that's a little unique is that many of us haven't ever been there. So we don't really know what to expect, which will make it really fun because you show up and it's this new place and new location and um, new food and 
new culture, and I think that will provide an element of a lot of excitement and kind of just um, take the pressure down and, you know, just make things fun and exciting going into it. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of how I'm approaching it. Okay. And so here's my last question, and it's kind of a non sequitur. I should have asked this a little bit ago, but um, in kind of the context of your success this year, and you know, I've you know, I obviously follow the sport. I've talked talked to a bunch of people who follow the sport, but it definitely seems to be a different type of year on the World Cup. You know, you have a 21 year old on the guys' side in Claybo who's been ripping. And, and, you know, it's funny, like my kid last night made me watch his vlog for the first time. I'm like, he looks like, oh yeah, yeah, he looks like a, he's young, you know, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe this dude is dominating. Um, and then on the women's side, you know, you have an athlete like Bjorgen, who I believe last year won five medals at world champs off the top of my head. I mean, she was still dominant. Mm Mm-hmm. And she seems to be, although she, I, I believe she swept all the events at Norwegian Championships, mm-hmm. uh, to her standard, she's skiing, you know, below her usual, uh, probably benchmarks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, what is it about, i just curious, like, what is the vibe like now on the starting line for you and the Women's World Cup in general that it, it, it seems more wide open? Yeah, you know, I actually had a ski with uh, Trace Stodlober um, yeah, yeah. a few days ago because we were training in Ramsa, and we were actually discussing this exact thing because she just got her first podium on in Valley Fam the second to last day of the Tour de Ski. And I was asking her, are you still in the clouds, like full of excitement? And she was like, yeah, I am. It's something I was dreaming of. And I was like, you know, it's the same for me. And I don't know the way that I see it now is it's so fun because you show up on the start line and it's not outrageous to believe that you could win um and that's the way that everybody wants to race like that's what motivates people is when they feel like they have a chance to fight um and i think it's really good for our sport too that it's switching up and there's different people on the podium each weekend i think that's the very best thing that could happen for a sport to keep it exciting and um i think the norwegians are also gaining a new respect for for some of the others and some of the other teams and seeing other people as a threat. And um, while they're still very dominant, there's definitely, you know, they are, they have to stay on their toes. And one of the quotes that Mike and said in Lillehammer um, and the press conference, um, none of the Norwegians had qualified the first weekend in Kusumo. And the second weekend, you know, she won. And, but she said, like, I realized that I can't take anything for granted. I need to be, just so ready to fight all the time and and so I came here really nervous and excited and and I think that's really refreshing to hear out of the Norwegians that they don't just count themselves as the, as the winners that they see some of the others as um you know threats to them as well and I think it makes it really fun like I feel like everyone becomes better friends that way too because it's just I think it's just more fun for everybody like that so um yeah, it's it's a cool scene. <laughs> uh, congrats on your season so far, and um, best of luck. Thank you. Uh, not using hand sanitizer, <laughs> staying away from. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not sure I'm going to have to have my kids like listen to this because I'm one of those like I have like a gallon jug of hand sanitizer in the cars. You know, I'm like. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, our whole team is like that. Actually, um, 
we all we all travel with sanitizer and there's certain times where it's just like you know when you're on the airplane it's you got to pull it out or when you're you see you know you're touching something in a buffet line and and there's not a bathroom nearby i think there's definitely a time and a place and and it makes you sleep well at night so um you have to do what you have to do <laughs> yeah. well thanks again sadie and good luck in uh korea and hopefully i get to see you in some press conference that'd be that'd be good yeah all right all right take care sounds good all right thanks jason all right bye thanks for listening to nordic nation 